Everyone drinks coffee. It gives us a moment of peace, an energy boost, or just simply to connect with someone. But who are the people roasting your coffee? You're listening to the Giesen Roastcast, where we talk about everything that has to do with roasting and running a business in the coffee industry. My name is Siska Kolein. I roasted coffee year in, year out, over half a decade. With my own coffee roastery and as an ambassador for Giesen Coffee Roasters, I want to show you what it means to roast coffee for a living. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back and relax. Today we are talking with Willem Boot, the owner of Boat Coffee located in San Francisco, USA, about the coffee industry, the advice he would give to people who want to get involved in the world of coffee, and of course being ambassador for Giesen Coffee Roasters. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Willem Boot. Hi Willem, oh, hi. So, so good to talk to you at the end of my workday. Uh, you're about to start yours. Uh, what will the day bring you? Um, apart from some um, phone calls and conferences with clients in the coffee world, I will also um, be roasting some coffee. And um, we have in our training and cupping lab uh, in San Rafael, California, which is just north of uh, San Francisco, we also actually do have a, uh, um, a roastery because the machines, the Giesen machines, the wonderful Giesen machines that we we use for training purposes, we also use them, um, uh, these, uh, these roasters, to uh, roast some of our own coffees that we produce in our own farms or that we select in um, some of the programs we are involved with uh, around the world. So after this meeting, I'm... Um, Headed to my, um, I'm, I'm going to take my bike and um, head, I will head to my roastery lab to roast some um, La Mula coffee, which uh, we produce in uh, Panama. Take your bike, that's very Dutch. <laughs> that yeah, sounds it's, very Dutch. You, know, I, you, you can take me out of Holland, but you cannot take Holland out of me. No. So from that perspective, <laughs> I'm very uh, connected to my uh, to my Dutch roots. And uh, in this case, it keeps you healthy as well. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I can understand. Yeah, I know uh, a little bit about your reputation, about the, one of the best coffee pioneers in the world. Uh, of course, I know Boat Coffee in, in Barn. Uh, and your parents were the founders of Boat Coffee. And now it belongs to your brother Barend. Uh, and your family has quite an impressive resume in the world of coffee. Are you still involved in the family business? So I'm not a um, shareholder of the business, but when my father and mother retired uh, many years ago, my, my brother and I actually, we um, took over the business and we inherited the um, coffee store in um, the small town of Bayern, which is <laughs> half an hour east from Amsterdam. And then my brother and I started the foundations of what is now Boat Coffee. My, my involvement now um, with the business is that I actually um, work, collaborate with my brother um, in some of the programs that uh, my consulting business, which um, is Boot Coffee. That's how the Americans pronounce my name. Uh, so from a boat, I became a, a shoe, basically. Uh, from a boat to a boot, but um, <laughs> so 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 in, with Boot Coffee we have uh, various programs, and my brother is a major um, uh, yeah fan of some of those programs, and he also um, supports our um, yeah ventures. Like in Colombia, we have a really 
interesting uh, program, but he he was also one of the early um, adapters and pioneers with uh, both coffee of the coffees from our firms, uh, La Mula, and uh, now also from one of our other firms, which is uh, called La Cabra. La Mula means the mule, Mel Azel, and La Cabra means uh, the goats. Yeah, so. yeah, I really want to talk to, to you about that uh, later because I'm very interested in uh, your, like your coffee farms. But um, the first time I, I read about you, Because I knew Boat Coffee, and I want to say Boot now. <laughs> the, I, I, I knew uh, Boat Coffee, but the first time I, I read about you was in a book about Alfred Pete, the founder of Pete's Coffee. And I realized by reading that book that the Dutch have made quite some impact in the coffee industry. How do you see your role in the industry of coffee? Um, so so I, of course, inherited that um, mm -hmm. coffee uh, virus of my father <laughs> and um you know i um my father was my first teacher he's my main mentor and um when i moved to the u.s uh after i completed my studies in amsterdam i moved to the u.s because i just wanted to experience the world outside the netherlands and um And that's how I also met uh, Mr. Pete. Pete was indeed, he was a pioneer in his own way, in the sense that he was able to um, start a whole new trend. And um, your question was, you know, how do I see my own role in um, coffee? It's always, you know, I always feel a, a little bit on the spot when people ask me, <laughs> tell about yourself, you know, it's as, as, as if you have to be... Um, As if you sit on the couch of the psychologist trying to explain <laughs> who you are and how you have become what you have become. But, you know, I, I see myself um, to some degree, and there's a there's a good English term for this. It's a, they, they call it a maverick. And a maverick is a person who loves to um, pioneer, to innovate, and always to um, disrupt to some degree. And so uh, I see myself as a pioneer because I have been able to to um, start some some work early on in follow-up of my father's vision. So that's the pioneering work I've always enjoyed a lot. Um, then the um, quality discovery work related to that, um, helping understand how you can improve quality with these producers so that the farmers the producers become uh yeah, that they can better sustain their lives and when, when i come to the disruptive element of what i enjoy in coffee is that as you probably know uh, coffee is a very traditional industry um we still conduct business in various ways in exactly the same way as we were doing this a uh, hundred years ago, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have uh, many farmers in the world, you have traders, you have big multinational uh, conglomerate trading companies, and you have importers and you have roasters. That structure has not changed over the last hundred years. Coffee farmers are unfortunately still very poor and traders and these conglomerates are unfortunately um, still very wealthy. I have nothing against wealth, but 
I feel that traders and specifically these multinational conglomerates can do more to help um, alleviate the immense poverty that exists at the farmer's level. Mm. And we have still not been able to change that. So, and I think um, disruption is essential from an economic perspective in order to um, enable farmers to better their own lives. And that's, um, that's where I see still a major task for myself in, in this work. Yeah. yeah and, and I read you have a, like a fundamental mission because you want to improve the quality of every aspect of coffee. Is that, uh, is it also what drives you uh, to this uh, specific mission? If I have it correct, you want more balance in the industry. Yeah, no, exactly. Because quality of um, coffee in the widest sense is not only about the, the flavor of the coffee yeah. or, or the quality of the bean. It's it's everything that surrounds um, the production of these coffees, including the livelihoods of the farms. Yeah. The impact, the impact that we have on our environment through coffee. Um, quality also involves on how we deal with our own employees or how we think about the actions we do and how they impact others in their industry. So quality is a very um, wide concept. And I, and I think as um, coffee entrepreneurs, to some degree, we have an um, opportunity to help farmers in this perspective, because I think by improving quality, we hand the farmer a tool to also make more money. And, um, and I think quality uh, of coffee is, is instrumental in this. I, I, I do have a very high esteem for programs like fair trade, uh, programs that help farmers through these types of um, certification models. But in the end, I think the most sustainable way of um, guaranteeing that farmers long term have more income is to really also work on quality, because that's ultimately why consumers um, will be motivated more um, to pay more for the coffee. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. But also, like if the quality of the coffee is improves, also roasters are able to buy that coffee uh, sooner. I think you're right, but it also starts with the the roasters, of course, and especially yeah. us, like specialty roasters or micro roasters. We also have to make sure that the quality of the coffee is good, but also not only the quality of the flavors, but also the quality of the beans and the quality of the uh, circumstances for the farmers. So that's also something we can improve, I think, as roasters. I want to make sure that I understand everything correct, because I think this is a very fascinating uh, subject. Uh, also because uh, we as roasters are usually very keen on the quality and the flavor uh, of the coffee, but less on the, I think it's getting better, but less on the circumstances of the, of the farmers. And uh, I think that's also important for us to make sure that we tell our customers about it. Yeah, I, I, I have always been somewhat, you know, challenged by, by that because there is like, if you're in the, um, if you're a retailer, roaster retailer, th there's only so much information you can provide to your clients, to, yeah. to your customers, because, you know, they're not going to uh, expect from you that you're going to 
reveal the whole world of coffee and all its uh, intricacies to them because they don't have time for that. No. They're, you know, they're looking, they're looking for a, a good or great cup of coffee. The key question, how much information can you bring with this coffee? So I think we all have to be smart as roasters and importers to um, collaborate in um, adapting uh, certain uh, values in how we uh, conduct our business. And, and I'll give you a little example. Um, so we, um, in my consulting business through our company, Booth Coffee, we have been working since the last few years, um, since 2017 in Colombia. And um, I was able to get a, a grant to, to do work in Colombia, specifically in the uh, areas of Colombia that are um, where coffee grows really well, but also where where this other drug, um, <laughs> cocaine, or the the yeah. coca leaves grow really well, and and these zones are traditionally um, uh, they have to deal with a lot of um, violence because the business of coca causes a lot of um, social uh, yeah disruption and problems, and um, so we've been working very hard to um, convince farmers to focus on. The production of specialty coffee and we also help them sell this coffee and so with a, a program that has such a big and intense vision because we work with uh, thousands of uh, farmers now the grants that i was able to get is quite substantial um, so we work with so many farmers and so the question is of course how much of this information of all that meaningful information can you pass on to the buyers of these coffees so that they are going to do yeah. something with that, right? And that's yeah. that's really that's really challenging. And I when we began the program, I started thinking about this with uh, all the members of our team. And then we re we realized, you know, we have to give this uh, program a name because then you know through branding, through the naming of things, you can make the essence of your work resonate with those who buy the coffee. And that's how our program uh, was named um, um, Coffee for Peace in Colombia. Yeah. And, um, and so we created a, a complete branding platform for this. And Coffee for Peace in Colombia, the logo is a, is a dove, not with an olive branch, but with the branch <laughs> of a... Uh, Coffee tree. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, um, and so the symbolism for Colombia is very um, important because Colombian uh, people and coffee farmers have been living through more than 50 years of, uh, um, of war, of civil war and of violence and terrible things have been happening. And this violence is still continuing. But now um, Coffee for Peace in Colombia we now have um, uh, close to 20,000 coffee farmers that are part of our network. And um, because of the naming and the messaging of the program, we have been able to facilitate uh, also the business with importers and roasters uh, much easier than if we would not have given them the name. Yeah. So because, you know, the message of Coffee for Peace in Colombia, you know, it tells um, a lot of words and you have visuals with it when you hear the name. And um, so that has been very uh, powerful. And that is a good example 
of how you can um, uh, use a brand a name to explain a, a deeper meaning, a deeper message to also uh, consumers and to those who ultimately will enjoy the coffee. Yeah, it's quite a straight, uh, like a strong statement also. Yeah. 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 And um, um, because you, you mentioned Colombia and you mentioned Panama. And one of the things I really want to ask you is uh, you own a, co a coffee farm in Panama. And why did you decide to buy a coffee farm? How, the, how does it even work in your, in your head or in your mind? Uh, I'm very curious about that. <laughs> so in 2004, I was a judge in a panel of uh, coffee tasters in Panama. And that was the first version of the best of Panama competition where the geisha coffee was presented. And um, Panama had been a country that um, already had become yeah, very familiar to me because my brother and I, my brother Byron and I from Boat Coffee, we started buying coffee through direct trade in Panama since um, 1995 or 1996. And um, that became an important coffee for us. So I built up a lot of relationships in Panama with various producers. So Panama was already familiar territory for me. And then in 2004 became this geisha coffee, which just, you know, blew me away. It was like, I'd never thought that the flavor of coffee could be so enticing to me. Of course, I had been drinking the most marvelous coffees from countries like Ethiopia and Sumatra and Kenya and, and so on. But now there was this new Panamanian variety, which was just discovered, um, had been growing in Panama for quite some time. And it just blew me away completely. I thought, you know, this is for me the beginning of a new journey. That's how I experienced it. My mission in coffee is not just about roasting or about consulting, but it's about exploring quality in, in its deepest essence. And the essence of quality, of course, starts at the, at the firm level. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's how I um, ended up uh, buying uh, five hectares um, on a volcano on the slopes of a volcano <laughs> in Panama and that's where we started to think of La Mula um, the mule yeah. and so you know so the the reason why I did this was yeah I think for to for a great great deal because of the yeah the the passion I just felt so strongly for this variety and for this coffee that I wanted to produce myself yeah yeah because yeah. You keep breaking all kinds of records with the prices paid for your green coffee. And uh, I was wondering how much does it really cost to create such valuable coffee? And then I don't, I'm not talking about the, like the money, money value, but the energy time and the effort to just create it. Yeah. So, so, so being a coffee farmer or a producer is, um, is a very risky business. Meaning, if we just look at the reality of um, like a coffee farmer in Colombia, for example, and usually coffee farmers in Colombia, they, they inherit their farm, their plot of land from their father, from their family. And um, uh, the risk they experience is, uh, is already quite large because every year mother nature has surprises. Absolutely. You can have a good crop or a bad crop. You can have... 
attacks of fungi like uh, coffee rust disease and um, you can have um, your coffee, uh, you, you can find out that your coffee is stolen by a local gang. You know, these are all risks that, that coffee farmers have to deal with, right? And then at the same time, they um, cannot make ends meet often. Now, for me, when I started my um, career as a producer, farmer, of course, my set of circumstances is radically different from the farmers that define the world of coffee production. But, you know, you, you first select your land, you purchase land, um, you start developing the land, you start planting trees with seedlings of which you don't always know if they're really of the level of quality you need. And so there's various risks also that I started to deal with. Um, the geisha coffee variety, as an example, is a, is a very um, uh, fragile coffee variety. The mor- mortality of the young coffee trees in, its, in their first three years is very high, which is very different from other varieties. Partially, that's because the root systems of these uh, trees uh, is very weak. And secondly, when you plant very natural environments where you do not want to use um, chemicals, the absolute minimal of kind of chemicals. You know, Mother Nature has an answer to that yeah. because Mother Nature will <laughs> will will try to to first um, put these new coffee trees to the test. And coffee was never really meant to grow in plantations and farms as we no. know them nowadays. No. <laughs> coffee coffee started growing in wild forests. So we in Panama. At Finca La Mula, we started recreating kind of an Ethiopian environment for our coffee farm. And we we saw, you know, as a result of that, Mother Nature showed um, her truest character with all vengeance that you can imagine. And so, you know, you have a high mortality of your coffee trees. You're in a remote place, so you need to build workers' housing for workers. You need to select your workers really well. You want to make them team members rather than just being subordinate workers. So you want to create um, an environment that is like, yeah, in all its essence, really um, designed to last for a long time. Yeah, it's quite inspiring also. And if you can inspire people also uh, by, like you said, making sure that there is a certain economic over there, but also like uh, improvement improvement to the environment and, and the, the surroundings around. That That is quite inspiring. Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. what, what's the greatest like improvement uh, we as Roses can make in our business? Because you have a, a very clear mission and how as, as Roses we can help. So you're not the only one who contributes to like the missions uh, to improve the quality of coffee you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah how can we help you <laughs> that's the short answer <laughs> yeah. short question yeah so i think so, so for like a roasting company especially when you're like um relatively fresh and young and you have a lot of energy a lot of spirit for new companies i think um before you start helping others, I think um, first it's important as a roasting company to set a um, a sound economic base for your business. Because I I feel in order to uh, be able to have an impact by helping brands 
or helping programs like I started in different parts of the world. It's first important to have a, a solid business, you know, in order to do good in the world, you need to be able to pay for it. You yeah. need to be able to invest your time for this, right? And you can only do that if your own business is healthy. Absolutely. And so that's, I think, um, the first important lesson um, we do in our consulting and training business. We have a lot of clients that have started uh, small roasting companies and they come to us for training and for certifications and so um and so and we always have um, an important uh, module where we focus on the business of coffee on the profitability you have to be able to develop and um that is that is where it starts to have a good well-defined business concept with with a brand that resonates with an economic base that can allow you to finance unforeseen events like we've had in the last uh, year and a half yeah. in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, we've seen businesses um, that couldn't make it as a result of that. And so you need to be prepared for that to some degree, um, which is hard. But, you know, being a profitable business, that really helps, of course. And then secondly, you need to, as a roasting company and as a retailer, you need to be able to um, do what you're trying to do to do that really well, which means you don't have to necessarily buy the most expensive beans in the world, but you have to be, take wise decisions about the coffees you select and you have to do good cupping, tasting protocol in order to understand which coffees you are buying And then when you're getting your hands on your roasting machine, hopefully it's a Gießen roasting machine, then, you know, <laughs> really strategize and develop really well the roasting profiles that you create. Nowadays, we have all these wonderful um, software tools. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the Gießen software is, is great. It's amazing. Um, and so we have these all these these tools that will help us to get the maximum out of this bean that we're purchasing so that we can then hand this coffee over to the baristas who are going to you know, do their magic. And um, that, of course, is a, a chain of steps. So that basis of your business needs to be healthy, needs to be really well uh, planned. And then... When you're then ready from that position as a business owner, then you can start thinking about, you know, how can I do good with my business in the world of coffee? And there's many ways in, you can, in which you can do that. I think for a, um, a roasting company, a small roasting company to start buying direct, direct trade is, is very difficult. So you can first select the right trading partner, the right importer to connect with so that you can um, realize your own goals in uh, the world, in the giant world of coffee through a trading partner who can help you with financing of these coffees and who can help you with the logistics and all of that. Yeah. So that's, that, that is, um, uh, of course, always easier said than done, but you can, you can start this one coffee, one origin at a time. Yeah. I did that with my brother many years ago. 
in our case, we start started first doing that in countries like Panama and countries like, you know, Thailand, even where we started to source our own coffees. And so doing it one step at a time, I think, uh, works really well, rather than thinking that, oh, your coffees have to be uh, a direct trade or a version of that. Yeah. 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 I also noticed that when you have like a mission, it's easier, it gets easier to buy like the right coffees and uh, your, your focus is more like on quality, but also on direct trade for us it is. But uh, like you said, you have to have like a healthy base, just like the, the geisha coffee, you have to have strong roots. So not all our coffee is like direct trade. I always try to buy like uh, labeled coffee, so like biological or a fair trade or a rainforest alliance, something like that, just to make sure that the base is good. But it's not always direct trade. But our specialties now are always direct trade. But like the bulk, and especially for offices and, and restaurants, they the, the, the simple fact is that they still want to pay like low prices for the coffee, for the roasted coffee. So you have to make sure that the, the, the model of, of your business is like healthy. So um, the, the base is like uh, fair trade biological. But once we have like the mindset of we cannot provide all uh, customers or clients from direct trade coffee because not everybody wants to, then you have like a focus on, okay, that then make sure that you have your specialty coffees, direct trade and a great profile. So people will notice the difference and slowly go from like bulk coffee to specialty coffees and that's also yeah. like a victory for us it is so and, and yeah and it, and it is an it is an ongoing battle also because um, yeah. like like the the, the horeca sector hotels restaurants cafes you know they always think of course rightfully so about their own bottom line and um, their net profits and they need to pay their staff etc so You know, and then it, it it often helps to help them make the calculation that by uh, investing maybe two or three cents more in uh, the price they pay for their coffee, they can already have uh, yeah something that is significantly better. And that's yeah, that is always I know that from experience, uh, not an easy task, no. but <laughs> it's an ongoing battle. Yeah, yeah. and. Yeah. And do you see a difference in uh, in the coffee industry from when you started and now? And and what is the like the biggest change in the world of specialty or the world of coffee? The main difference is that from the consumer perspective, you, you now have so much more choice where it comes to your coffees. It's like incredible. Like if I think you know many years back when I uh, was still working and living in Holland in um, coffee with working with my brother and parents. Oh, at that time there were specialty wise, there were very few options and also to choose from. And also, for example, if you would come in the supermarkets at that time, you know, there were very limited choices for a consumer to make. Now, look at now, now <laughs> you have, um, regardless where you buy your coffees at yeah. what price at what quality you have so many choices so as a result of that we also see that there are so many roasting companies that are now uh, roasting their coffees and offering their unique coffees and you know and I think uh, Giesen 
Riesen Coffee Roasters is, is a great example of this because Riesen Coffee Roasters is the result of the, um, this uh, enormous expansion of the specialty business. Yeah. And, you know, and what I think what Giesen did really well um, as a uh, roasting machine manufacturer is that they built on where other uh, roasting brands, roaster machine brands, weren't able to develop their machines. They, they developed a, a, a machine that, that is conceptually just and technically so much better than anything else out there, right? And that's the result of the fact that there is this uh, huge population of uh, roasting companies uh, around the world. Yeah. And we, we see that. So so that's the, that's one of the key differences I see. And then, um, of course, the whole concept of uh, uh, direct trade is the result of that. So um, combined with the um, yeah, the benefits of social media, that you know, now I can send a message through Instagram to a farmer in Colombia. Yeah. Now, that would be that was unheard of um, 20 years ago. Yeah. So. yeah, that is so cool about the specialty coffees that we have a lot of consumers uh, because if we have a specialty coffee, we make sure that everyone knows about the story. So we have a lot of consumers who get in touch with the farmers through social. So that is so, I think that's one of the coolest part of having a specialty and transparent coffee that we can connect people and coffee for us means connection. So that is quite, I yeah. think that's the most fun part of our business. So, and um, uh, what advice would you give to people who want to be part of the industry? And do you have some beginner's tips? Yeah. So I think, you know, as a, um, if you're still an outsider and you're just looking at the coffee industry as a possibility to get involved in, then I think um, first and for all, you know, become educated so start learning about coffee you can start learning first um, using all the online tools you can um, find for this there's a lot of blogs and there a lot of free information is out there uh, and nowadays you know you also have uh, a lot of e-learning modules like we we developed uh, at boot coffee we developed our own e-learning program which is called coffee pro Um, which can give you a really good introduction. And Gissen has its own um, type of uh, interactive learning uh, program through um, kind of an e-learning approach. And, uh, and other companies offer e-learning programs. So that's that's a good first step. Then your second step should be that you start to attend um You know, live trainings, live cupping sessions that you join other roasters to roast coffee with or that you do courses in this realm. Like the Specialty Coffee Association has a wonderful program with courses. Um, so so start learning, um, get prepared, get certified if you wish, wish to. And then the second step is to really start studying about um, the marketing <laughs> and the economics of coffee. Because yeah. marketing is important. Obviously, needless to say, if you um, want to sell your coffee, you need to be smart. You need to understand the tricks, the rules of social media, which are com continually changing. And then, you know, you need to really think of, How can I finance this even if um, there's a time of hardship? 
So how can I um, have a good relationship with a bank or with a financier or with friends and family so that my business will not be um, jeopardized uh, when, when, when tough times start, yeah. right? And then, um, so once you are then prepared to jump, to jump into, then just jump, you know, yeah. just do it. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't start to tinker too long with, you know, um, you, you've got to keep that passion that you feel. You have, you've got to keep that flowing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I jumped, but I forgot the second part. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of passion, but I forgot to sell my coffee. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that was something yeah. I learned after like two years. It was like, uh, okay, it's fun having uh, to like realize my dream by being a roaster and telling people about my coffee and to just to make sure that people knew that coffee was a, a, a product that was best when it's fresh. So when it's fresh roasted it's and fresh made, it's best. So a lot of people noticed, but <laughs> I forgot to be an entrepreneur at that time. So so then I, uh, like you said, I, I did a lot of online courses, a lot of uh, seminars, just to make sure that it was also a profit business. So uh, we could e evolve because we needed that. So that was a... That's a very good advice because we, as roasters or as coffee geeks, I, I, I used to call myself, is uh, we always have a lot of passion for the product, but we uh, can make such more impact if we know how to sell it because then we can continue our business and otherwise it just stops. So, yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah, I think... I think Yeah, one. I think and one important part in uh, promotion and marketing is storytelling, right? Yeah. And, and to make it also personal, to relate personally to the stories that surround um, your coffees. Yeah. And yeah. that um, I think people are always interested to hear your motivation as a roaster, how you got into this business and what you experience with this coffee from Ethiopia or Colombia or Panama or yeah. where, 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 where is this from? And so um, I think nowadays uh, when I look at social media, it's very uh, focused and centric around the person. It's a very social media is by itself a very ego centric tool. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, you can use this to your own benefits mm -hmm. that you can talk tell stories about the coffees and how you relate to it as a, as a person. So yeah, that's, I think, um, the opportunity that social media can give. Yeah. 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 And, and do you also notice in your training that like starters have a certain needs in terms of knowledge? Um, yeah, I think where it comes, uh, most of our training programs, uh, focus ultimately on uh, roasting. Uh, so, so obviously there is always the uh, interest from students to learn about roasting profiles and how you develop your profiles. And so I always, um, focus on that partially, uh, to, to a major degree, I think where most beginning roasters struggle with is how to make decisions around a profile yeah. and those decisions start you know by tasting by cupping your coffees and to to interrelate what you taste back to what you do with your roasting machine um and then to make changes and to make certain 
steps possible so that the full potential of that coffee bean comes to fruition, right? So that's where I think most roasters are struggling with and very interested in how to link, uh, how to make a link between the profile, the roasting profile and the flavor. Yeah. And to and to this and to the same degree, and that's also a bit of the magic of being a roaster, <laughs> how to um, select the right bean for that purpose of roasting and selling, yeah. right? So how how do you know that this bean from Brazil, that new you know special pulped coffee, can help your business really well? You know, and this is where. It is essential to um, um, develop, uh, like a lot of um, experience with tasting of coffees, and so so that's where I see one major interest. And then the second interest I do see in the business operations part, and so I see that more and more um, roasters, new roasters, realize that operationally their roasting business has to be sound and healthy. And that, that's a major difference with um, uh, when I started my career as a consultant is that, um, let's say, 20 years ago, entrepreneurs would just jump with their eyes closed and they would, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's how you, maybe that's how you started as well. You, you, it, it, you made it seem like it was like that, but I'm sure you were very wise about your decisions. Well, my worst uh, case scenario so. was what <laughs> happens financially what, what's my debt when nobody enters my door for uh, for a year so when nobody buys yeah. anything from me what's my debt and then i realized that it was uh, it was okay <laughs> then i had to work for like five years very very hard and and put all my money back in the bank but that was my worst case scenario so yeah i i, I jumped of course with certain with the notice of certain risks, but it, it was quite yeah. easy for me to, to jump. So half closed. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. And, but, but, but if I look at, you know, operations, um, yeah, a lot of roasters that start fresh, they've very quickly realize is that um, your neighbors don't always appreciate that you are roasting <laughs> like right next to their house, yeah. to ne right next to their office, right? So you need to think about How can you uh, ensure that what you do as a roasting company uh, is conforming to regulations and to yeah. the uh, you know the as they say in Dutch the bestemmingsplan, yeah. the planning, the the planning of the city from that perspective, you know. And so and there's a lot of regulations related to health, related to safety, fire safety. Um, and these are things you need to know because if you don't know about them, you'll you'll be confronted with an inspector who shows up and who makes your life yeah. very very difficult yeah. as a roaster. So, so business operations from that perspective is really key. I've had my own set of circumstances with that. So, um, and um, and I think nowadays with the large number of um, roasting companies, we see I see. In general, um, business entrepreneurs realize that they need to be better prepared uh, for that because there are, are uh, many more competitors out there as well. Yeah. And, uh, re regulations have not become easier. They have become much harder around the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, in Holland it's still very like tough to get the right uh, regulations because the 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 law is based on like big companies. The the law is very old, of course. It's always with law. Is there something you want to tell everybody who would, wants to know about coffee? What we really need to know about coffee? So um, I think you know it it, it depends. Um, w- w- whether you're talking about uh, the perspective of roasters or about consumers, right? So, so I think if I answer this first from the perspective of a roaster, of a roaster, then I think you know what is it you want to know about coffee? I think m- most important is first you know limit your scope. So don't try to pretend to want to know all of the intricate aspects of coffee, but you have to focus on distinct areas of coffee. So if you're um, starting a roasting company or a retail store with, with your own roasted coffees, then, you know, create a, um, um, a portfolio, a limited portfolio of coffees and, and go deep into that portfolio. So if you would want to feature coffees from El Salvador, because you just love El Salvador as a country and you have some, uh, maybe already a connection there, then um, deepen that repertoire of El Salvadorian coffees rather than try to um, offer all coffees from Central America. So that could be one, one, one approach, right? So, um, and then what is it you want to know about these coffees? I think as a roaster and retailer, you will really want to understand the process that created this coffee. So it could be um, a traditional washed, or it could be a honey process, or it could be an anaerobic fermentation coffee produced with a unique fermentation process, or it could be a pacamara variety that is uh, produced in an intricate way. You will want to understand how that works because nowadays um, consumers that visit specialty coffee stores, they are used to seeing coffees that have very unique um, processes um, um, applied to them. So that's, that's one first important aspect. And then secondly, um, you will want to you know, understand who is behind these coffees, what, uh, what is the history of these people, these, ro- these farmers, these farmer communities. Uh, maybe there are some very unique stories to tell about them as well. So that's yeah. another in- interesting aspect. And then, and then third is a um, roaster retailer. You will also really want to ensure that you yourself can be a great barista for these coffees because you ultimately will have to um, present these coffees either uh, in your store or in a presentation to a prospective cafe or restaurant that buys these coffees from you. So you will want to be at best possible, like an expert in how you prepare your own coffees best. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's the reason, that's the whole reason why we have like an espresso machine in the back of our store, just to make sure that people can taste the coffee. And if they are curious about a coffee, we just prepare the coffee. And usually it's the specialty okay. coffee because that's always our newest coffee, <laughs> which we have for a short time yep. period. But we always, if people are curious, you can always make a cu- cup of coffee 
and let them experience live at, at your counter the coffee uh, you roasted. So that is the quite, I think that's the coolest part of, of our shop is like having the whole experience and, and making the connection by talking about coffee. So that's the whole reason yeah, why we have totally. it. Yeah, yeah. And what do you want to tell consumers about coffee? What do they need to know about coffee? So I think um, those consumers who really want to explore coffee, um, they they should invest in a brewing machine that allows them to 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 enjoy coffees from small roasting companies like you have, and like there are so many others, right? So I, I know a lot of consumers. In Holland and in Europe, they love the um, the comfort and the easiness of preparation with a, a pot or a pet or whatever system they use. You can use those occasionally, but preferably invest in a decent brewing machine, whether it's espresso or filter, so that you can make your own coffees in a similar way as your preferred specialty store does. Yeah. So that's, I, I think, you know, so prepare a space in your in your kitchen's countertop to do that and then secondly you know go to your local coffee roasting store and start to experience some of these unique coffees start a conversation about uh, with, with the roasting company whether it's uh, Baron from Boat Coffee or Siska from Miss <laughs> Morrison or you know wherever, wherever you are yeah. just start to yeah start to explore this marvelous world of uh, of coffee And, and it will, um, uh, for most consumers that I know of that started to venture into coffee, they really enriched their own lives with it. Because yeah. coffee is, is ultimately, when I drink a great cup of coffee, it makes me feel happy. It makes yeah. me feel good yeah. about myself, right? And, and that's what uh, coffee does. It has an emotional and a from a physiology perspective, it has a really good impact on our well-being. Yeah. Most people don't notice how important good coffee is until they drink like very bad coffee. So that's all also yeah. something to be aware of. I, I'm still surprised about the like the offices, if especially when companies are selling stuff to their clients when they offer a bad cup of coffee. I'm always wondering what do you, how's your product if you already serve like bad coffee? How's your how can you take people like a company serious when they serve you a bad cup of coffee. I, I'm always surprised about that because coffee means so much. Coffee is emotion in every certain level. Uh, for us, it's also, for me as a roaster, it's also creating flavor, but uh, it's it's emotion in every certain yeah way. And I think it's very important that if you serve your customers or your clients or your family or your friends or your neighbors, whoever, if you serve them a a good cup of coffee it's also a sign of respect whether you sign if you serve Absolutely. them a bad cof a cup of coffee uh, uh yeah <laughs> don't talk about that but <laughs> let's not talk about that but it's so important yeah in every certain way so yeah i know absolutely and it's that's why you know for for a, a roaster like you and i have had had the same experience being a roaster for many years there can be Nothing as frustrating to have to explain to someone who you are trying to sell your coffee to. To it can be very frustrating 
to have to feel, make them feel the essence of what a great yeah. cup of coffee means. And it's very frustrating if they don't get that immediately. Mm -hmm. Like the flavor difference between a commercial, often old bean, and that usually these coffees are ground, versus the joy of a freshly roasted, custom roasted, tailor-made coffee. Uh, that's such a giant difference. Yeah. yeah. So, and and it's and I consider that you know uh, that's an area where. You need to um, convince people with your heart and with your passion. Yeah. yeah that's, that's ultimately what, what counts, I think. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you don't want to convince people because you know it's not going to work. So <laughs> that's also fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not everybody yep. is passionate about coffee. Yeah. Yeah. For some people, it's just a, a dark, hot dr uh, drink. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, for some people, coffee is a uh, utility. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like... You, tur you turn on the light and you turn it off yeah. because you need light, but you don't leave, look for anything else. No, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> you don't look for the sparkle, no. And uh, last question I'm going to ask you. Uh, you're an Gießen ambassador for, for like three years now, since 2018. And I'm curious, why did you decide to be part of the Gießen family? Because I, I'm, I am truly convinced uh, that... The Gissen roasting technology is the is is the best out there. I've I've roasted with many other roasting machines, the older vintage machines from that were made traditionally in Europe, and um, uh, and I think what Gissen has done is they have developed um, their roasting technology to a higher level. So you have uh, as a Gissen roaster, as a Gissen user, you have many more tools in your toolbox to develop the unique flavors of your, your coffee. So that's one. So it's like the, the versatility of the roaster is great for developing the best possible flavors. Um, I, I just love the, the aspect of the cast iron. I just love materials like that. But rather than cold stainless steel, I'm just not a fan of cold stainless steel. I love the concept of a of a rotating roasting drum rather than just blowing hot air in a roasting chamber. And then the, then there is the the user interface. So Gissen has done a great job of thinking about how a roaster roaster operator interacts with the machine. Yeah, and As a, as a result, it's easy to man manipulate the roaster and the profile. Uh, I really, really love that. And then last, you know, um, they look good. They're great looking machines. They're beautiful. Yeah. You know, um, when, when, when I, um, uh, a lot of people invest their money in a car because uh, they love to drive a beautiful looking car that feels good. No, it's the same way with a, a roaster operator. The yeah. roaster operator And I encourage also always my students when they ask me, you know, what is the best roasting machine out there? I said, I first tell them, you know, first go out and experience some different brands. And then you should absolutely try the Gissen and then compare uh, the experience and the user experience, the interaction with the machine. And, uh, and you should taste the end result, the coffee that is roasted with the machine and And those factors will help you make a, a decision 
uh, and very likely it will be a reason. Yeah. <laughs> You're a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, good to hear. Well, these are my questions, and it's now time for our 30-second talk. Uh, some short questions, and if you want to finish the sentence for me and answer as quickly as possible, then it's the most fun part. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, I want to know something about your first or your favorite coffee memory. It was the resounding flavor of a Kenya coffee, and I remember just the the refreshing, sweet, apricot, cherry-like aftertaste of that coffee. And was it your first coffee memory, memory or your favorite coffee memory? It was my first favorite coffee memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also a good combination. What do you miss about the Netherlands? Gezelligheid. Gezelligheid. <laughs> Gezelligheid. Is there I miss a, my friends. Is, is there like an English word for it? Gezelligheid? Uh, there is not. It's, it's anywhere between cozy and friendly and uh, warm. and yeah, But there is not the equivalent of it because we... Um, as as Dutch, we have created gezelligheid as a as a concept for well being, and that can can be you know a five minute experience or it can be a five hour experience. Yeah. And gezelligheid is something that is very very Dutch. Yeah, so that's what you miss most. Yes, absolutely. Your favorite brewing method? The Chemex. Chemex. Yeah, just love the Chemex because it's. Uh, Um, it gives you the experience like you have when you um, decant wine, yeah. Because it it locks it locks yeah. the aroma yeah. really really well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it also looks beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And best improvement you've seen in the coffee business? Um, I think the the variety and choices available to uh, consumers. So the The diversity of uh, roasting companies, and as a result, the um, creativity that has become kind of um, more and more the norm. And I think that that has been the uh, wonderful uh, develop part of the developments of the last um, 20 years. And the most interesting aspect of your business? Um, being able to have an impact on the livelihoods of um, farmers and on the world of coffee farmers in general. And then with that also, um, with those stories and those unique coffees also uh, yeah, winning the hearts of uh, consumers and of roasters and of uh, students that come to our campus. Nice. And the most boring aspect of your business? I find everything that is related to administrative things, <laughs> I find them utterly boring. And so as a result of that, I've come to the realization that I really need to um have someone in my business as i fortunately <laughs> have that takes care of those things yeah, yeah yeah and who's good at it and who loves it yeah <laughs> yes yeah and uh, when do you achieve your mission i will my mission will be or let me let me rephrase this let me rephrase it because i see my mission not as the end result i see it as a journey basically and um one Next step in this journey that I start focusing on is uh, Yemen. Yemen is a country that uh, is intricately connected with coffee because that's where the cultivation of coffee started commercially. Yeah. 
Yemen is a country that has been in a terrible war uh, for many years, and I am one of the founders of the MOCA Institute, which focuses on helping to um, um, yeah, revive the coffee sector of uh, Yemen. And we have a team of really um, uh, great individuals, among others, uh, a very well-known person called, called Mokhtar Alkanchali, who is a good friend of mine, and he... Uh, a book was written about him uh, called The Monk of Mocha. Yeah. And so uh, so I feel that my mission is even more um, uh, fulfilling if we are really able to help Yemen once Yemen gets out of this terrible war to help uh, coffee farmers and the people in Yemen, because so many people in Yemen depend on coffee, okay. that we can help them um, build a better livelihood. Well, Willem, thank you so much for sharing your story with me and everybody who is listening at this Giesen podcast. Good luck, and I wish you all the best with sharing your knowledge to a new generation of coffee roasters and on your mission. Yeah, great. And, and yeah. thank you also for for giving me the opportunity. And, and I uh, just want to wish all the current and future Giesen users the best of <laughs> luck uh, in their coffee careers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you.